Good morning again. It is wonderful to hear y'all sing. Those are words that's never been told me before. It is wonderful to be singing again and have folks back inside and and um, just a, a great day to be here. Um, a couple other things that I, I, I want to announce real quick is uh, if you know a middle schooler that would like to participate in a day camp, that's not there, that's better, it's staying on there now maybe, that would like to participate in a day camp, it starts at Strawberry Plains United Methodist Church, it's July 6th through 9th, and you get there about 8.30 in the morning, and you leave about 3.30, and each day you rotate through four activities, and, and the activities are going to be uh, kayaking, hiking, jump jam, not called that anymore, but that's the easiest way to describe it, and a mission project. So a mission project will continue on throughout the whole week. Uh, you've heard me talk about that camp before. It's the Abundant Life Day Camp. Still really close to my heart. We, we did it uh, for quite a few years in a row, and then last year we couldn't do it. Um, but if you know of any middle school age or even high school age that would like to help, college age that would like to help, or um, anybody would like to help with it. There's all kinds of things that you can do uh, to, to help that ministry. And one other thing, too, if you know any uh, golfers, the way that ministry is supported is pretty much through a golf tournament that will be held June the 2nd, which is on a Wednesday. It's in memory of my dad, actually. It's the Bill Morgan Memorial Open. And the funds for that go to the day camp because the day camp, we don't charge any children anything. So... Um, so it supports that. So if you want to come and help with the golf tournament or play in the golf tournament or just come and hang out with me for a little bit, you're welcome to, to do either or both. Um, and I forgot to announce that during the announcements, but that kind of leads in. Uh, middle schoolers are great. I mean, they are wonderful. I, I, I was a youth uh, director for several years and a coach for several years before I started teaching. And, and when, when I started teaching, uh, I was leaning towards wanting to do high school just because of the subjects I wanted to teach. But, man, I really enjoy middle schoolers in ministry. Who agrees with that? I mean, they are awesome to do ministry with. I mean, they're so open. I mean, it's... But one thing I realized when I started getting to schools is they don't act the same at schools they do at church. I had no idea, but... Uh, <laughs> But no, they're still. I still love working with middle school. But the the cool thing about the camp is it's for middle schoolers, but there'll be high schoolers that are also leading. So it, you get to see both groups work with each other uh, to support. This one drive me crazy. To support a ministry and tell uh, each other about Jesus. So anyway, and that kind of leads into a little bit of what I want to talk about today. This morning, uh, well, let me just go back to that story a second. Middle schoolers are unique individuals in the fact that if you keep them busy, they do pretty good. If you give them a little bit of idle time, then things can not go so good pretty quick. But if you keep them on a schedule with things to do, tasks to do. They, they handle it pretty well, but when they get off that schedule, that's when they get distracted, let's just say. In our Christian lives, we're the same way. If we have a plan and we are 
intentional about our studies and about our relationship with Christ, we do pretty good. It's when we get off that plan, we start to wonder. So what I want to talk about this morning is Jesus, as he's ascending, the instructions he gives to his disciples. Okay? So I just called you all middle schoolers, but it's okay. We'll be all right. The scripture this morning is going to be from Acts, and I'm going to start in the first chapter of Acts in verses 6 through 14. So when they come together, they ask him, Lord, is it the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and while he was going and they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes st stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the, Zealot, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well, of his, as, as, well as his brothers. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, for sending your Son. Lord, thank you for, for making him uniquely human and uniquely divine, Lord, that uh, we can enter into a relationship with him. Lord, thank you for the obedience of, of the disciples, Lord. And thank you for taking him into heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. The ascension of Jesus. I want to just back up a little bit and tell you what the disciples have been through in the last 40 days. In the last 40 days, they have seen Jesus arrested, crucified, buried, resurrected, and then within those 40 days, he appeared to them and to others on many accounts. So within 40 days, they had seen their friend, their Savior, crucified, dead, and buried, resurrected, and then all of a sudden they see him amongst them for 40 days. And now they come to the point where 
they see him again. They see him again, and, and the disciples ask him a final question as they saw him. They said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And they didn't really get the answer they wanted. They basically were told it's not for you to know the exact time for this. And then he gave them other instructions. You see, the question uh, of if, was it going to be time to restore the, the kingdom of Israel was not a bad question. It had been asked several times. It was a part of the new covenant, so it was a valid question. Jesus just told them it's not for you to know the time right now. Have you ever waited on something? Have you ever been waiting and waiting and waiting and not knowing? Again, that lasts forever unless you have something to do. If you're looking forward to something next week and you've got nothing to do between then and or between now and then, it lasts forever. But if you can keep working, keep doing things, it goes by pretty quick. And the thing about it is, basically Jesus is telling them, hey, that's not your job to worry about that. I'm going to give you your job. This is going to be your job to do. Again, it was a reasonable question, but it was not their job to, to figure it out. You see, Jesus' final teaching was a promise as he was ascending. And that promise was that they were going to receive power. They were going to receive power. And basically, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they're going to receive power. They're going to be able to do things that they had no idea they could do. You see, they're going to take the message, the good news of Jesus Christ to Jerusalem, to all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's going to be their job. You see, it's not for you to know the exact timing of when Israel will be restored and when I'm coming back, but you have a job to do while I'm gone. And that job is to tell other people about my saving grace. What do you think the disciples would have said? said, well, it's going to happen over the next 2,000 years. They wouldn't have wanted to hear that either. But again, Jesus gives them instructions. He gives them a task. He says, when you receive power, when you receive power, you'll be able to do these things. Because think about this. Think about the places they were going to go. They are going to go to Jerusalem and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. In Jerusalem, Christ had just been crucified. But they're going to be called to go to Jerusalem to spread that, to spread that message. Could you imagine what they were thinking? Again, they were still, even though they'd seen Christ had died and been resurrected and they'd seen him appear after his resurrection, they were still looking for a physical restoration. And what he came to provide in the immediate future, was spiritual. Again, they were called to go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. You ever been to Samaria? They didn't want to go there. They didn't want to go there. Those were people that they really didn't want to deal with. 
But Jesus told them that when the Holy Spirit came upon them, that's what they were going to do. That was going to be their task, was to take it. And, and not just there, but also to the ends of the earth. So they're going to take the message of Jesus Christ everywhere. And I know they had to be thinking, man, how can I do that? But they didn't realize the power that was going to come to them in about 10 days. They didn't realize that power, how that power is going to strengthen them and make them be able to do that mission. But the first thing that Jesus asked them to do was to go back. Go back and wait. Go back and wait. Go back and wait. Can you imagine just being given those instructions and all of a sudden, but not yet. Go back and wait. And basically he's telling them, wait till the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see, Jesus left. He left his physical body. He left in his physical body. He will also return his physical body. He left and went out of sight. He will come from out of sight back to us again. And he left blessing and praising the church. He'll come back blessing and praising the church. But we are supposed to be obedient. We're supposed to follow his instructions. Again, the first instruction was to return to Jerusalem. Return to Jerusalem and wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And you know what they did? They went back to Jerusalem. They went back to Jerusalem. They gathered in a room, all of them together. And they waited. They prayed while they waited. They prayed for each other. They prayed for all of Israel. They prayed for each other. They lifted each other's needs up in prayer while they waited on the Holy Spirit. Again, if you look between the Ascension and Pentecost, you're looking at 10 days basically to wait. Okay, you're going to be able to do all these things, but you've got to wait just a little bit. You've got to wait. So they got together and prayed while they waited. The Mount of Olives, where they had seen the Ascension of Christ, was about a Sabbath day journey, which means it wasn't very far. So when they got back, because they weren't allowed to travel very far on the Sabbath, so when they got back and they got together, again, they sat and prayed. They prayed for one another. They prayed for their relationship, and they still had some questions. They prayed in one accord. They were in unity, and they prayed prayers of supplication. They prayed for each other. They prayed for their needs. They asked Christ to bless them as they waited. And again, they'd been given some of the instructions, but they didn't know exactly how it was going to happen. They didn't know how in the world they were going to do the task by going to these areas and taking the message of Jesus Christ to many folks that really didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to see them. They didn't want to hear it. But again, they waited on the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Again, the Holy Spirit's been in existence for eternity, but they haven't experienced the Holy, Spirit's, Holy Spirit upon them yet. 
They didn't know the things that they were going to be able to do once they received that Holy Spirit. Again, those tasks going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and that extensive, it sounded impossible for 10 days while they prayed. And then all of a sudden, we're going to celebrate Pentecost next week. When they received the Holy Spirit, they were able to fulfill the function of Christ, that Christ had given them. Again, but they went into obedience. They had fellowship, and they prayed and waited. They were obedient. They fellowshiped. They prayed and waited. Have you ever felt like that? You, we're obedient right now. We're in fellowship. We're praying. And we're waiting for further, further instructions. And we're waiting for the power to be able to do those things. Have you ever seen a task that you really didn't know if you could complete? Have you ever seen anything that you had to do that you thought was impossible? The instructions that Christ gave the disciples on that day was like that. When he told them what they were going to do, he didn't really command them to do it. He said, you're going to do it. It was just, they were going to do it. I've had several tasks that are hard for me. Many things are hard for me, including lawnmower tires, which I'm not going to talk about today. But, uh, but I've had that, a different lawnmower, but the same type tire go flat a few times, and I've handled it a lot better. But you know what? I know how to do it now. It's hard to do when you don't know how to do When you don't know how to do something, you get a task, you're like, oh, man. But once you receive that information, that power, it makes that task a lot easier to do. Getting back to the camp, I probably have told you this story before also, but I want to tell it again. Um, the first year we did that Abundant Life Day Camp, we were looking for a mission project. We were looking for something kids could do that was close by because we got a little bit of logistics problem. So we, uh, we were looking for something, and we found it. Wasn't what we wanted to do, though. A lot bigger job than we wanted. I had a uh, lady tell me about a need that somebody that I knew had. It was somebody I knew from years ago who I hadn't seen in 30 or 40 years, said, her name's Dink McMillan. She needs some help. She's got some yard work that needs to be done. So me and Doug, my home church pastor, go over. She had some work that needed to be done. She had trees growing into her house. It was more work than what we really wanted to get into with middle schoolers. But we talked to Dink for a few minutes. And you know what she shared with us? She shared with us the power of the Holy Spirit. She reminded us where our power comes from. She ministered to us as we're getting ready. She said, I don't know if y'all can do this job, but I would really appreciate it. Without looking at each other or talking, we both just said, hey, we're, we're in, we're ready to go. When can we start? You know, and Again, it was such a bigger job than we intended. But we did that job, and we did a mission project for her several years after that, but what we didn't realize, when you're obedient, things come together in ways that you can't explain. When you let the Holy Spirit do His work, your work is easy. 
Maybe not be physically easy, but it can be done. You see, what Dink did for us when she ministered to us, she did for each child in that camp. Every day we'd go there and work. Or one group would go over there and work. And when she had a group of ladies, she set those ladies on the porch. And she told them how to be young ladies. She told them how to seek Christ first in everything they do. How to remain pure and how to expect to be treated. That's what she gave the message she gave the young ladies. The next day, she'd have a group of young men. They would work, then she would set them on the porch. And she ministered to them, and she told them exactly what it meant to be a young man. What their call was to be more like Christ, and how they should be treating young ladies and everybody. That's what Dink McMillan did for that camp. When I went and talked to her, it was not for her to minister. It was get a job and again the job was too big but guess what we did we cut those trees from her house only thing is the things she needed to do we couldn't do all in one year so we had to go back and every year we went back guess what she did for those kids she told them how to live a godly life she was the best teacher the best preacher in that camp and she did it every year until the last year of the camp, the first morning of the camp, we're getting ready to go over there and work, and there was an ambulance at her house. She had fallen and had to go to the hospital. So she goes to the hospital, and then she goes to the nursing home. Then she goes to the nursing home, and she remained at the nursing home until she passed away back in the fall. She was 96, 97 years old. And she's still telling kids how important it was to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. A 96, 97-year-old should not be able to do that. But when, when you're letting the Holy Spirit work in your life, guess what? You can do some amazing things. The trees that we had to cut off our house, middle schoolers shouldn't have been able to do that. But guess what? Because Doug's a hard worker, they got it done. And, I, and again, I told you I'm not afraid of hard work. I can watch it. Uh, but again, when you're obedient and you just let the Lord take control, you let the Holy Spirit work through you, you can do some things that seem impossible. As we prepare for Pentecost, I want to give you some instructions this week that Christ has given me. I want you to pray. I want you to talk to each other. I want you to think about when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, what we can do. Individually, as a church, as a community, when we allow the Holy Spirit the opportunity to work in our lives, we can do some amazing things. Without it, things seem impossible. And without the Holy Spirit, guess what? Without Him, things are impossible. But with Him, we can do it. Again, we've got work to do here. Some of the things that we look at this community and we can say, well, we, we don't have the numbers. We, we don't do, but guess what? The Lord's still calling us to do ministry. And if we let the Holy Spirit do His job, we can do ours. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just for being here. Lord, thank you for this church and, and, and the amazing ministry that's done through this church and this community. Lord, I thank you for blessing me with the opportunity to be here. Lord, I thank you for, again, just for sending your Son, Lord, to save our souls. 
Also, Lord, as we wait, I just thank you for the Holy Spirit. We wait for the Holy Spirit. Some of the jobs that we have in our lives, some of the things, the tasks that we've been praying about seem impossible. But, Lord, when we let, when we wait to do our job until the Holy Spirit does His, and, and once the Holy Spirit comes upon us, Lord, those impossible tasks seem possible. Not always easy. When you're growing a relationship, when you're growing, Lord, it's not always easy. We understand that. Lord, I just pray that, uh, that you bless everybody here. Lord, that you, uh, you keep working in the lives of the people of this church. In Jesus' name, amen.